Welcome to Limitless Love. I'm your host, Sony. I help powerful women find the love they deserve by cultivating more sensuality, playfulness, and abundance in their romantic lives. Are you a successful woman who is killing it in her career but can't seem to get it together when it comes to men and dating? You are used to being recognized as being the best at what you do. You've got a condo, maybe a shiny new car. You take fabulous girls trips around the world, spend your weekends wine tasting and shopping. From the outside looking in, you seem to have it all. But you're missing real romantic connection. It feels like every man you meet is wrong for you. You are meeting men who are intimidated by your success, emotionally unavailable, and you have convinced yourself that it will never happen for you. Well, I've got good news for you, babe. You're dead wrong. Real, authentic love is waiting for you. You can have it all. I know this because I have been in your shoes. In this podcast, I will help you on your path to love by sharing my expert guidance, tips and techniques. You are meant for love. You are meant to have it all. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, hey, my loves. Welcome to another episode of the Limitless Love Podcast. I'm your host, Sony Pelty, and I'm so excited you're here. Today on the show, I have an amazing guest. Her name is Christine Lukin. She is a financial lifeguard. As the founder of the Financial Dignity Movement, Christine has coached hundreds of high-earning professionals to pay off staggering amounts of debt and massively increase their net worth. Christine's book, Money is Emotional, Prevent Your Heart from Hijacking Your Wallet, has landed her almost 100 podcasts and TV interviews, establishing her as an authority on money and emotions. When she's not coaching her clients from her home office in Cincinnati, you can find this member of the Financial Therapy Association curled up with a good book, A Fluffy Cat, and a strong cup of coffee. You can find Christine at christinelucan.com. Welcome to the show, Christine. I am so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay. So let's get started. And why don't you share with us your journey of how you got to be this financial lifeguard? I love the term financial lifeguard. I feel like all of us need a financial lifeguard in our life. So tell us how you got here. Because from our chat before, I know you didn't used to be the way you are today with money. So it'll be nice for us and everybody to know how you got here. Yes, absolutely. So one of the things I tell people is that I didn't get into financial coaching because I've always done things perfectly. In fact, it's actually been the opposite. So when I was in my mid-20s, I crashed and burned financially despite having an accounting degree. Mm -hmm. So I was someone who had all of the head knowledge and yet I find found myself at age 26 with, you know, pretty much ruined credit 
I owed several payday lenders money. I was behind on my car payment and most of my credit cards. And yet here I was working for a multi-million dollar company as their staff accountant, mm-hmm. but I was bouncing my own checks at home. And a good part of that reason was I was engaged to a guy who had horrible money habits. He was in and out of jobs, in and out of jail. I thought if I just loved him enough that he would change. And he did. He got worse. So, you know, after being in a relationship with him for seven years, you know, I had a wedding dress in the closet. His mom had to co-sign on my ring because he had no credit. And I wanted to leave the relationship, but I literally had no money to leave. And so I had to reach out to my dad for help. And, um, you know, he didn't pay off my debt. He didn't give me any money, but he said, look, you know, I'll let you come and and stay with your stepmom and I, and we'll give you a safe place to regroup and get back out on your feet. And so that was actually, you know, it was a rock bottom time for me. There was a lot of shame and embarrassment Mm -hmm. around the fact that I had made such a mess of my finances, especially because I was someone who should have known better. And I do find that a lot of people who find themselves in that situation, Mm -hmm. many of them make good money and, and have good jobs. They're smart people. But there are these emotional factors that can pull us off course. And obviously, there were other issues in my relationship than just the finances. Mm -hmm. You know, there was emotional manipulation going on. There was a, a codependent dynamic where I was basically like the mother figure. But what I realized is once I got out of that, that bad situation And I also got myself around people who were doing the right things with money that my finances improved pretty quickly. And probably about a year after I left that relationship, I remember driving to work one day and the thought struck me that I couldn't remember the last time I worried about money. And that was a total shock to me because the previous seven years, that's all I did was worry about money. And, you know, I wasn't even out of debt at that point, but I had my plan, I was working my plan, and I was seeing tangible progress in the right direction. And that's when I got this strong desire to help other people because I thought, you know, there's probably tons of people out there who are in that same spot that I was in a year ago, and they don't even realize that there's another way to do this. And so, you know, my journey into financial coaching was was gradual. You know, it started off as I volunteered at my church to help teach financial literacy. Mm -hmm. And then that led to me getting my coaching certification. But I was with the intention of like, this is just the volunteer work that I do because I had a really great job, you know, doing accounting. But the more I did the coaching, the more I fell in love with it, you know, just the transformation that I was helping to facilitate for other people was just amazing. And it wasn't just the financial results. It was also those changes that affected people's relationships that improved their marriages, Mm -hmm. you know, that reduced their stress. It was just like, you know, oh, sure, I can do the books for this machine tool company, you know, and make almost a hundred grand a year. And that's great, but you know, this was just such meaningful work where it's like, hey, if if I can make a living doing this and helping people transform their lives and break out of that cycle of money shame, that would be even better. 
Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's so rewarding and bringing you're bringing joy to people's life, right? So it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing this. There were a couple of things you said that kind of resonated with me and I'm sure it resonates with everybody listening too. You talked about shame around money and I resonated a lot with everything you said when I was in my previous marriage and with my ex-husband and when I was going through my divorce, I felt a lot of shame. I felt like, and I accumulated a lot of debt because of the divorce proceedings, the process, the whole process and stuff. Mm-hmm. And also around my habits when I was in the marriage, because I was using money to numb myself. Mm. So yeah. I accumulated debt in that way too, right? So right. let's talk about shame. Shame around the debt, shame even uh, in reaching out to a financial advisor, to someone like you even, uh, how do we break that money shame cycle? Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting because, you know, the first thing I like to explain to people is that there is a difference between guilt and shame. So when we feel guilt, it's a sign that we've done something wrong, right? So, you know, we make a mistake like, we spend emotionally and we, you know, we go and spend a thousand dollars on new clothes and a purse or whatever that we know, you know, yes, there might be room on the credit line, but we don't have the money to pay it off. Right. So we, we feel this guilt. So we then have a choice to say, am I going to use this guilt productively or not? And shame happens when we, when we don't do that. Mm -hmm. So Shame happens when we switch from saying, I did a bad thing to I'm a bad person. Right. And so when when we do that, we basically say, okay, I spent emotionally, I spent this thousand dollars that we don't have, I must be a bad person. Mm -hmm. And when we feel that shame, it makes us want to hide. And when we want to hide, we don't get the help that we need. We don't seek the information or the assistance that is going to help us improve our finances and break that cycle. Mm-hmm. So, and then we continue, right? If we don't get the help that we need, then we're going to continue to make those mistakes. And what that does is it reinforces that feeling of shame because we keep doing the same thing over and over again. And that's just proof that we are a bad person, that we're bad with money, that we can't be trusted, that, you know, we're just right. an emotional spender and that's the way we are. Mm-hmm. So, What happens is we have to catch ourselves when we make that mistake and we start to feel that guilt. We can't internalize it. We have to say, okay, I'm feeling this way because I know I did the wrong thing. You know, I I shouldn't have tried to soothe my emotional pain with spending, right? (laughs) You know, there's other productive ways to do that. (laughs) So, So that is a sign that I need to seek some help. You know, I either need to seek some resources, whether it's a course or a book or connecting with, you know, a financial advisor or a financial coach or whatever the case may be. Because once we reach out and we get that help and we get those resources that we need, then that's going to break the cycle, right? That's going to break the cycle from 
allowing us to continue with those bad mistakes. But I think it was very on point what you said that you now recognize that the reason why you had those bad habits, financial habits in your marriage was because you were trying to avoid the pain of the marriage, right? You were trying to fill this emotional void with spending. And so in the short term, it succeeded, right? Because when you spend money, you feel you feel good. You have like new clothes or whatever it is you've bought, and you you know you have this rush of you know good positive chemicals in your brain, and so it solves the problem in the short term. Yes, <laughs> but not in the long term, right? right? Because then it's like, oh well, we're really not taking care of the root of the issue. And now we have this bigger problem because we have all of this debt. So one of the things that I tell people is be mindful of your emotions as you're interacting with your money, because that can help you to kind of catch things. And especially if you see that you have a pattern of emotional spending or whatever the case may be, if you really pay attention and say, what is going on when this happens? You know, what am I feeling when this happens? Maybe who am I around when this happens? Or what sort of situations happen right before this, right? right? Maybe it happens at a certain time of day, right? Or something like that. Right. So can I just, can I just stop you right there for a minute? Yes. So, you know, for somebody who is, not in the personal development or is not aware of the emotional cycle, who's not aware about emotions around money. Let's say somebody six years, me six years back, right? Mm-hmm. So like I felt like I didn't even know any of this, right? So for that person, like just somebody who has no clue, how what's the first step that person can take to be aware? Like how do how do we get that awareness even that we are caught in this emotional cycle because I wasn't aware that right. this is what I was doing until I got into the realm of personal development, learning about emotions, learning about mindset and all that stuff. Yeah. So I think it would be really helpful if we can get that awareness piece to connect. How do we get aware that we are in this pattern? Yeah. Well, and I would say that shame around something, you know, especially something that you have to like hide, you know, so if you're like hiding purchases, you know, like you, 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 there, you have all the packages in your trunk. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) You don't bring them in until your, your partner leaves or they're asleep. You know, it's like anything that you have to hide. Yes. Right. That is a sign that deep down, you know, there's something wrong, right? And and that can be the first sign to say, hey, there's something, there's something going on here. If I'm having to hide this, then I must feel deep down inside that there's something wrong with this behavior. And, you know, obviously, you know, there are some people who continue to repeat bad behaviors and they don't want to change. Right. right? Totally, and yes. so, you know, obviously it's like, well, you know, I can't help someone who doesn't want help, but I think most people know when they've, you know, when they're repeating things or, you know, I mean, most of us don't want to talk about our finances, right? 
No. You know, most of us don't want to admit like, oh, yes, I spent this much on eating out last month or whatever the case may be. So, you know, it's like anytime you want to hide something, that is that is a clue. But unfortunately, I think we have this this dynamic, this environment around personal finances in general that is, you know, like it's not openly acceptable to talk about your finances, right? right? I mean, we would rather talk about our sex lives than to talk about, oh, I just spent $1,000 that I don't have on a credit card, right? (laughs) You'd rather talk about your one night stand. Oh, yeah, (laughs) Uh, So it's, you know, we've got, you know, kind of this toxic environment around personal finances. And the other thing is, there's a lot of financial professionals who are so focused on the logical side mm-hmm. of the money and they're either because they don't know or they've always been good with money. So they're like, well, I don't understand why you can't behave with money. Like, let me give you this list of things that you should do. So, you know, one of one of my passions is instructing other financial professionals about the emotional side of money. And I think it's very important for people to understand that the moment of decision happens in the same part of our brain that processes emotion. Mm -hmm. So it is literally physically impossible for us to make a logical money decision. But what we have to do is we have to flip it to say, how can I use my emotions in a positive way to help me make better choices. And that was one of the reasons why I wrote my book, Money is Emotional, because Mm -hmm. I wanted people to understand the emotional side of money and, you know, not to feel dismayed by it, but to say, okay, now that we understand this, let me give you the tools so that you can actually harness the power of your emotions so that you can achieve your financial goals. And then let me teach you some, some shortcuts and some tricks to kind of short circuit those negative emotions so that they don't keep tripping you up over and over again. Yes. Yes. This is awesome. Thank you for sharing this. Yes. You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you because I thought, but I was how this is an important point to bring up. How do we recognize that first sign? Yes. 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 That's very important. Right, right, right. When I coach women with relationships, I talk a lot about self-love. And part of that is setting healthy boundaries and upholding those boundaries. And it's all about like physical, emotional boundaries, personal boundaries. So how about boundaries with money? Because that comes up a lot in relationships and even when we are dating or married or in relationship, right? I feel like that's a boundary that's really, really important to have and uphold. So can you talk to us about money boundaries, healthy money boundaries? Absolutely. Well, and one of the things, you know, I always like to explain to people is a boundary basically separates what is your responsibility from what is somebody else's responsibility. And because of my previous relationship, I was someone who had horrible boundaries. <laughs> I had very, very weak boundaries. And I also want to explain that there's a difference between helping somebody 
and enabling somebody. So when we help somebody, we are doing for them what they are unable to do for themselves. Mm-hmm. When we're enabling someone, we're doing something for someone else that they can and should be doing for themselves. Mm-hmm. So we're basically taking the consequences of their financial irresponsibility onto ourselves. And I think a lot of people who are manipulative, they they test those boundaries. And it's usually, they, they test them on small things first, right? Mm-hmm. To see what they can get away with. And then they kind of start to escalate things over time. Because if my ex-fiance had you know, gotten a DUI within the first six months that we were dating and asked me to come up with a thousand dollars to bail him out of jail, I would have just probably broken up with him. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So it did not start with that. Right. It started with something small, like, you know, Hey, can I, can I borrow a hundred bucks? But then he only paid me back 80 of it. Right. And so, you know, just being aware of those, of of when you feel, because we can feel when our boundaries are being violated, Mm -hmm. you know, we can feel those things and it's important not to ignore that. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, and it's different in, it's certainly different when you're dating versus when you're married, because, you know, when you become married, it's like, well, the two become one. And, you know, if you live in, in the U.S., depending on your state, it's usually, okay, once you're married, whatever one of you owns, it's it's all joint, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's definitely some differences when, you know, you're dating versus when you're married. Right. But while you're dating, you are setting the stage for for those boundaries. And it's very important to be talking on a regular basis to the person that you're in a relationship with about finances. I mean, you, you don't want to wait and hire a financial coach until you've just gotten married. (laughs) You know, totally. Yes. (laughs) And also noticing those signs early on that, you know, like how you said that, you know, in your body that your boundary is being clouded and yet we ignore it. Right. So, yes. Right. And, you know, my, my ex fiance was very good. He was a really good manipulator. I got to say, looking back, because he would say things like, you know, if he would ask me to borrow money and I would say, well, no, I mean, he'd say things like, well, don't you love me? Or what's more important to you, me or money? You know, that should have been my sign right there because it's like, no, we don't have to choose between the two things, right? Right, It's like, I love and respect myself first and foremost, right? Because if we don't love and respect ourselves, we can't have a relation, you know, a healthy relationship with somebody else. Yes. Um, And so, you know, when someone is insecure or they're going through a tough time, you know, I started dating him right as my parents were getting divorced. So it was like, I was not in a good emotional space and it was just, you know, I was clinging on to yeah. him. And so whenever he would say, you know, you're choosing money over me, it made me, you know, to me, it was like, oh, I didn't realize this was an either or situation. Right. Right. So, right. 
you have to really be vigilant about those things. And, you know, it's also important to make sure that you're in an environment with other people and friends who have healthy views of money, right? Because, I mean, if you've grown up in a situation where some of this financial dysfunction was modeled for you, then you might think that that's that's just the way things are, right? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) That's how it's in relationships too, right? Right. Whatever is modeled for you is what you think is the norm. So Mm -hmm. yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. So let me circle back to something that you had said earlier in the conversation, which really clicked with me. And I wanted you to touch on that. You said something about when people get into financial distress or they accumulate debt, all these people are smart. They are in amazing jobs and they know, I guess they know or don't know to make better choices. Why do we end up, why do these people end up in such situations, because I was one of those people. I right. had an amazing corporate job. I was making six-figure salary, and yet I found myself in debt. So I'm pretty sure it has got something to do with the emotion side of it. it but I would let let you expand on that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's very interesting because when we think about the emotional side of money, there's all this stuff going on in our unconscious mind relative to money. And the way I like to explain it is the money blueprint. And this is a concept I learned from Harv Ecker in his book, uh, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Mm-hmm. So all the things we we think about money, the things we say about money, our early experiences with money, the stuff we saw our parents doing, all of that stuff is deeply embedded in our unconscious mind. And most of the times we don't even realize it's there, but it is very powerful. And so if we think about all of those things that are stored down in our unconscious mind, like a blueprint. So if I were to hand you a blueprint to build a ranch house, it doesn't matter how hard you work or how fast you work or who you hire, Mm -hmm. you're only getting a ranch house with that blueprint. And the only way you're going to get a two-story is if you go back and you change that blueprint. Absolutely. So, so what I've realized is that there's a lot of people out there who want the equivalent of a two-story financial house, but they're operating off of a ranch blueprint. Mm-hmm. And they're caught in the cycle of frustration because they're like, I don't understand. Like, I'm working hard. I'm hiring the best people. We're working as fast as we can. Like, why is this not a two-story? And it's like, we've got to go back and uncover and fix the blueprint. And so one of the exercises that I that I do with my clients is I have them write down all the things that they think and say about money. Mm-hmm. You know, just start creating that list and start paying attention to the things that come out of your mouth or the things that you're thinking mm-hmm. as you're interacting with your money. You know, so you know, when you go to pay the bills, are you like, oh my gosh, as soon as my money comes in, it all goes back out in bills, right? Yes. Like, what are those things that you're saying about your finances? Because right. there's a part of your brain, it's very interesting. It's called the reticular activating system. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it is, I call it your brain's bouncer. Mm-hmm. So 
it's a survival mechanism because we literally have like billions of stimuli coming at us every single day. And if we didn't have this reticular activating system, this filter, we would literally be a puddle of jello on the floor because we'd be so overwhelmed. How this filter works is based on what's down in our unconscious mind, Mm -hmm. it knows our deeply held beliefs and our previous experiences. So it knows what's important to us based on what's already down in our unconscious mind. And it wants us to agree with ourselves. So if we say things like, you have to work really hard to make money, or as soon as I get a little extra money, it it all goes back out. So your filter's like, okay, I need to let in experiences that agree with this. And I need to block out experiences that don't agree with this. So if you say things like making money is really hard, Mm -hmm. your reticular activating system will literally block you from even seeing opportunities where money could be easy. And it was interesting because scientists actually did this experiment with people where they had two groups of people and they told one group of people, you are really lucky. You find money on the ground all the time. Then they told the other group of people that they were unlucky. And they walked all of these people, like, you know, they had these people walk this this stretch of street, you know, like one block that they had to walk down. There was a $100 bill, like, laying on that sidewalk that every single person passed by. 80% of the lucky people saw it and picked it up. Only 20% of the unlucky people even saw it. Right. And some of them chose not to pick it up. (laughs) And it's just crazy because it's like, you know, your brain could be working against you and you wouldn't even know it. Right. Yes. Yes. I heard it a lot growing up. You have to work hard for money. You cannot make money loving what you do. Yes. You know, money doesn't grow on trees. And it just gets so hardwired. I can, you know, just to share a story, like when I was doing coaching as my side hustle and I was working full time, my mom was so hesitant in me jumping ship. She's like, you cannot make consistent income just doing that. Coaches don't make money. I'm like, "Mm, okay, (laughs) I had learned enough by then. Like it's still a continuous process, right? I have to stop myself because Mm -hmm. it's been hardwired for 45 some plus years, right? So it still have to make the conscious effort. But now I know better to stop those thoughts in the tracks. But yes, you're so right. Like when you're wired to think a certain way, you pass those opportunities, you pass those easy things in life. We just make things so difficult for ourselves, right? I know, I know. And so it's like, you know, just first of all, cultivating the awareness around, okay, what is down there in my unconscious mind? And then learning how to rewrite and overwrite that bad programming. Like that's the only way that we can that we can move forward with that. And so that is that is part of the work that I do with my clients. Yeah. You know, it's not just about, you know, setting them up on a spending app and making sure they're saving enough money and getting their debt paid off. That's obviously right. a part of it, but this whole other side about 
understanding the emotional side of money and making sure that their blueprint matches what they say they want on the outside. Yes, that is awesome. And also, till we don't change our emotional relationship with money and our money blueprint or mindset, we can make plans, we can create budgets, and we won't be able to just stick to those because we still have that old pattern still running, that old blueprint still in our head, right? Absolutely. Because if you, you know, if you're saying to yourself, I'm no good with money, I'm not a good saver, right? Then you're probably not going to save any money. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because it's like you're fighting yourself, you know, and so it's almost like part of it is identifying who you want to be in relation to your money. What kind of a relationship do you want to have with your money, you know, and really articulating I'm the kind of person who always pays extra on their debts each and every month. You know, I'm the kind of person who only charges as much as I can pay in full every month. I'm the kind of person who loves saving money and you know, identifying what are those characteristics that I want to aspire to and start creating some of those positive mantras around this is the kind of person I want to be. Or right. even just saying, you know, sometimes when you say those positive things, you have that little negative voice in your head that argues with you and is like, no, you're not. No, you won't. Uh, (laughs) Sometimes I like saying I'm in the process of becoming like, you know, one of my mantras, which has nothing to do with money is I'm in the process of becoming an excellent listener. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. I know I'm someone that my mind goes a thousand miles a minute. And sometimes I have a tendency to be thinking about my next thought rather than paying attention and really listening or interrupting when the other person's talking. And so for me to say right now, I'm an excellent listener, I might have that little negative voice like, no, you don't like you just interrupted Sony like, you know, 30 seconds ago. (laughs) But if, if I say I'm in the process of becoming, it's true. You know, it's, it is a process and I'm making progress. <laughs> that is so true. I am in the process of becoming a good listener myself too. <laughs> yeah. We can use that for any good financial habit too, to say, I'm in the process of becoming an excellent saver. I'm yes. in the process of becoming debt-free. I'm in the process of fully funding my retirement accounts, whatever those goals are that people want to achieve. So, so, so amazing. Christine, you have shared with us some beautiful golden (laughs) nuggets, like all the way through. (laughs) And I'm so excited. I'm more than hundred percent sure that women are going to benefit so much from this conversation. (laughs) And I know I'm going to have you on the show over and over again, because there are a lot of other things that I wanted to talk about. Tell us where can women get in touch with you? And also I would love for you to talk about your bundle. Okay. I bought it and I absolutely love it. So I'm sure it's going to benefit women. Yes. Who are everybody listening to the podcast, all the listeners. So please share with us and how they can get hold of your bundle. Absolutely. So they can find me on my website, which is just my name, christinelucan.com. The mindset bundle, it is under the courses just there on the top, or they can go directly to magneticmindsetbundle.com. And so some of the things that I alluded to about uncovering 
all of that stuff that's down in our unconscious mind yes. and rewriting those positive things and giving people all the tools, that's part of the bundle. And, you know, currently it's only priced at $33. I mean, I would have no problem charging people $300 well, absolutely, girl. For, for those tools that are in there <laughs> because I know how good they are. And actually, when I was creating the bundle, I as I created each piece of it, I started applying it to myself and I said, are there still any negative things that I might be saying mm-hmm. about money? And I, I was actually surprised at some of the stuff that, that came up for me right, right. where it was like the thing about not working hard. I was like, well, is it really fair for me to make money this easily when, when someone has to work hard for it? Or is it fair for me to make money doing something that I love when my husband and my brother have to go to day jobs, right? And maybe it's not as fun for them. And so almost like having that guilt, like, well, it it shouldn't be this fun and easy to make money. And I'm like, crap, I didn't even realize there was still stuff down in there. And uh, so I am, you know, I used all those tools. I used the, you know, the videos and the workbooks and, you know, I've got like the screensaver so you can put your mantras on there. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, it's a complete system for people to use and, and to return to because this whole stuff around money mindset, it's like an onion. You know, there's things that I had issues, you know, mindset issues with three or four or five years ago that I don't anymore. Right. But especially as we progress with our finances Mm -hmm. and we, you know, go up to the next level, there's going to be new stuff that comes up, right? Because we're dealing with things that we never dealt with before. You know, I mean, it might be, even though it's great to say, oh, I've got $100,000 I can invest. At the same time, it's kind of scary if you've never been in that situation before and you're like, oh, I don't know what to do with it. And I don't know who I can trust. And, you know, so this brings up like a whole nother layer of stuff. So it's very interesting. And I would also encourage people to download the first three chapters of my book, Money is Emotional. They can actually go to moneyisemotional.com, especially if they loved all this stuff about the emotions and the mindset. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff, even just in the first three chapters, even if they don't end up buying the book. Yes. Thank you for sharing all of this. And I will link all the links in the show notes so people can get to it easily. So thank you again for being on the show. I absolutely loved our conversation. And ladies, I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. And definitely follow Christine and definitely, definitely, definitely give yourself the gift of love. Get the money bundle, (laughs) magnetic mindset, money mindset bundle. And I promise you, you will not be disappointed. So thank Thank you you. again, Christine, for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you have loved this episode, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And if you really love this episode, I'd love if you beauties can leave me a review. For more love and dating advice, join my private Facebook community, Limitless Love. And for daily inspiration and fun, 
come hang out with me on Instagram at Sony Pelty. Until next time.